the Apostles' Creed, when we confess that we believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, we also believe that he upholds and governs all that he has made. It's called the providence of God, and we'll see also the confession of the church concerning that in Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find that on page 525 in the Book of Praise if you'd like to read along. Look at the confession of the church concerning the providence of God. And here the church confesses, what do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, the fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Indeed, all things come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit us to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we can have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. Beloved Church of our Lord Jesus Christ, have you ever had that day when everything went wrong? Maybe you're at school, the photocopier jammed just before an important meeting. Maybe you needed to print something off and there was no ink and you phoned a friend and he had no ink either. Maybe you're busy doing construction and you just, it was a day to put the, 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 the sheets of plywood on the roof, but then it, uh, the, the truck, the delivery truck didn't come and, and your boss was very upset because he was going to lose thousands of dollars and all these, everything seems to go wrong and someone says, what bad luck. And you had to admit that it kind of seemed like you were a victim of a power that was, was controlling all the coincidences just to make your life more difficult. And then other days are just the opposite. You're healthy, traffic is, is in the city is, is flowing freely, you get all the green lights, you manage to have a very meaningful conversation with your loved one. And even when you played cards at night and you won the game while you were watching the Oilers on and they even won, people say, wow, what good luck. It's very common for us to talk about good luck and bad luck, but what do we mean by this language? The fact is that many good things happen and many bad things happen in our lives and therefore many people actually imagine that there is some power that is deciding how things will be for you. Many even try to manipulate these, these powers from beyond through magical rites, through superstitions and they live their lives in a relationship with what's called lady luck the goddess of fortune. And their desire is to have good karma. And then they can have more certainty about their future. 
And so they live their lives almost like with the feeling of somebody standing on a, on a board on the waves. Sometimes it feels like you're surfing, it's great, and other times it feels like your life is, is sliding out from underneath you. And many live their lives then quite worried and wary of the present and also in fear of, of the future and, and they really want to know, they, they, they want to have good luck in their life. But for Christians, that never needs to be a description of our lives. For Christians, we believe in a rock who sustains us, an ever-present help in times of trouble. We sang beautiful things. We have a God who does all that pleases him. The clouds obey his decree. Christians are not superstitious. Children of the almighty God don't need to have lucky clothes, lucky armbands or something that you use before you play a game, a sport, or any other method to ensure that everything will go well. Why, why don't we need this? Because when you believe in an almighty God, you also believe that all things are completely dependent on him and are controlled by him so that there is no such thing as chance. I preach to you that gospel. In Jesus Christ, there's no chance. The lot is cast into the lot, the lap, says Proverbs 16.33, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The points of the sermon today are taken from the well-known proverb in Proverbs 16, verse 33. The verse is referring to the practice of calling upon the divine power to receive a decision either about something that is beyond human understanding or about some situation that demands impartiality, as in the division of land or, or goods. So at that time when this proverb was, was being used and spoken, little stones or sticks would be thrown on the ground or into the, the skirt of an outer garment. And decisions about the future would be made based on how the sticks or the little stones landed in the lap. In Scripture, you will find that casting lots was common throughout the ancient Near Eastern world. We can think of the sailors, the sailors who were on the same ship as Jonah. They were crying out to the Lord and when they did, their gods, I should say, and when they didn't, did not receive a response from their gods, the sailors found out, and we can note correctly, they found out who was responsible for the storm by casting lots. It's Jonah 1 verse 7. Casting lots was one of many pagan strategies used to discover the will of, of the gods, and it stood right beside the practice of, of reading or interpreting the stars or the, the, the animal entrails or the flight path of birds in the sky or the different patterns that oil made when it was poured out onto water or the reaction of wood to different treatments. In the eyes of a pagan, Casting lots was a way to harness the message that the God of chance 
Lady Luck was revealing so that people on earth could make decisions based on her fickle feelings of the day. And to us, when we hear about casting lots and and reading the signs, it all sounds a, a little bit hokey. And if Scripture did not reveal more, we would be sure that God would detest such a dependence on conclusions based on the random way that things fall into the lap. It's then very interesting to note that casting lots, also called cleromancy, casting lots, was, a, was common even in Israel. Right there, in the midst of these cultures that were permeated with divination and reading signs to discover the fate of man, we read that also the Israelites were walking around with a little container of rocks so that they could determine what God wanted. Proverbs 16, verse 33, does not condemn the lot as a bad thing. And in Proverbs 18, verse 18, we read, the lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. These Proverbs make us think of the days of Joshua after the Israelites had conquered most of their enemies in the promised land. And we read in Joshua 14, verse 2, And then again in chapter 18, verse 6, that at that time the Israelites divided the land by casting lots. That's why we speak of an allotment, an allotment of land. It's how the lot landed uh, to give you your portion. And Joshua did this. He cast lots, and we read, in the presence of the Lord. The Lord knew what he was doing. And so first they would pay attention to the personal requests that someone may have had. And then they, may have, they gave some special rewards and they did as much as they could at the best of their ability. But when things needed to be impartial, the specific allotment was left in the hands of God by casting lots. Joshua tells us that they had to go out and survey the land and bring the description into Joshua and then they would cast lots to see who got what. When we read this, it appears that Israel, according to the command of God, used the same way of determining God's will as the surrounding nations who were pagan. It makes us think, what's, what's, what's happening here? How do the, the two ideas combined together. Could it be that the Israelites wanted to entrust their lives to to chance? Well, when we put the question like that, we can see immediately that the answer is absolutely not. In Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 to 14, God clearly condemns all forms of divination. God doesn't teach his people that there are other magical forces that at play in our lives. He doesn't teach us that that chance exists, that we have to, to bow before this power called chance. Rather, by using the casting of lots to reveal his will, he was showing them, that, them clearly that idols are nothing. And that nothing happens by chance because there is no such thing. God was in control even of the casting of lots into the, lot, uh, into the lap. The lots were cast before the Lord 
And the decision was never questioned by Joshua because it was understood that it was the Almighty God revealing his will. And so there was no connection to the pagan practice of casting lots because they were bowing before a, a, a power they considered chance. But the people of God believed in the Almighty God who was governing all things with his hand. And so they did it for a different purpose and in accordance with the command of God himself. The Lord did not permit the Israelites to, to, insert, to try interpret the animal uh, entrails or to try find divine revelation in the stars or the horoscopes, but they were called and invited to go directly to him to cast their lots before the Lord in the presence of God, knowing that he was controlling everything. Even in the midst of uncertainty about the present or the future, the people of God were to rely on his trustworthiness and provision. In the New Testament, we do not read about Christians casting lots after the day of Pentecost. In Acts 1 verse 26, you can read about it, but after Pentecost, God the Holy Spirit lives in the hearts of every believer in, in order to guide the people of God in the way of God's revealed will. Today we have the complete revelation of God because Christ Jesus finished his work and is in heaven. The Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and he guides us through the Holy Scriptures which are complete and which are sufficient we have everything we need in scriptures in order to understand our salvation and to be guided in our life of thankfulness to make ethical decisions and to make decisions that glorify God. But just because we don't read about the casting of lots after the day of Pentecost, this does not mean that we don't understand the message of Proverbs 16 verse 33. This message of the message of the text is simply confirmed all the more today. Once again, we see very clearly that message there is no such thing as chance because God is behind everything. There are things that we cannot control like the roll of a dice. And things can go in, in different directions in our lives. And yet these things that, are, that appear so random to us are not random to God. And Proverbs 16 says that God can even reveal his will through the way what we think uh, things that are random, how they turn up. And that's a great comfort for us because now we know that we don't ever have to resign ourselves to our fate, as some people like to speak of it. We don't have to resign ourselves to our, our fate as if it is a, a cold and a heartless force that is completely unconcerned with us. There is never any need for a Christian to fear what they cannot see or to look forward to the, the future with their fingers crossed as if that would change anything. In fact, God condemns this lack of trust and of uh, the knowledge of who he is. God condemns this rejection of his providence, even though it appears that the lot does make the decision. 
even correctly identifying Jonah as the cause of the storm, God teaches us that the decision that is reached comes from him. Every decision comes from the Lord. Proverbs teaches us that God is sustaining and governing everything. Although God may have used secondary causes like the casting of lots for some time in the Old Testament, this does not mean that any power other than God was actually part of the results. All that unbelievers attribute to chance or fate, we believe is ultimately caused by God. The Catechism gives us a list of very common things that can be explained and often is explained by using science or math or economic conditions. We may even ask, isn't the growth of leaf and blade or rain and drought or fruitful and barren years or food and drink, isn't that dependent on how well we take care of the environment? Doesn't our health and sickness depend on how well we take care of our bodies and whether or not there is war? Don't riches and poverty depend on a person's decision to work or not to work? The church confesses that although God may use secondary causes as he governs all things, ultimately he is in complete control. And everyone and everything depends completely on him. Nothing happens outside of God's knowledge and nothing could exist for even a moment if God's hand was not there. And looking at the Old Testament, this is very clear when we see the miracles that God did to teach us about his power. God tells us that his hand was behind the plagues that Egypt had to deal with in the time of Moses. We believe that it wasn't just Mother Nature that sent a big fish just at the right time to swallow Jonah, but we read and we believe that God sent that fish to be there. Our sovereign God directed the mother cows who had been separated from their young so that they would go to Israel in 1 Samuel 6. God controls the life and the path of animals, even wild animals. In the book of Esther, it was not just a chance coincidence or Esther's good luck that elevated her to the position of queen so that she could rescue the people from wicked Haman's plans. It wasn't even Haman's hatred that determined the conclusion because God also controls every person's life, the lives of every person, every step they take, the timing of when they arrive in a certain room and the moment that they leave for another place. That's a very clear message in the book of Esther. And God doesn't only just control the movement of animals, and the plans and the attitudes of individuals, but even the movements of the nations are controlled by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes, our God. 
The world that does not know God tells us that such a conclusion to say that God was behind the movement of the nations. They say that's a biased interpretation of a nationalistic Israelite writer. That's just a way of interpreting the facts. Israel, they tell us, is actually just a little part of another nation's history. And it seems hard and perhaps even arrogant to say that little Israel, this little nation by the Mediterranean Sea, that that little nation, because it was the people of God, that that nation was the cause of the Assyrians taking over the whole Middle East. But the Bible tells us that God orchestrated all that in order to punish Israel, his people. It seems strange to suggest that Israel was the reason that the Babylonians took over power from the Assyrians and then the Persians, uh, Medes and Persians after them, and then the Greeks and the Romans. And for some reason, it seems easier for people to say that basically that's just the way life goes. It's just chance. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's all a result of power that they call chance. But God says, there is no chance. God told them he's over all the nations for the sake of the church. The God of Israel told them that these things would happen long before they did happen. That he was the one who's, who's moving nations as he saw fit. And he was doing it all for the sake of his people. King Nebuchadnezzar recognized this, a pagan king, and he said, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Today, we confess, as we read in Ephesians 1, verse 20 to the end, that Jesus Christ, who ascended into heaven, is head over all things for you, for the church, for us. Jesus Christ is over all things for the church. Brothers and sisters, that means that nothing surprises God. Nothing is outside of his control. Everything that happens, happens only with God's permission and his guidance. The providence of God is his almighty and his ever-present power whereby as with his hand he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures so that nothing comes to us by chance but by his fatherly hand. So how do we explain a card game between friends that entertains us exactly because we enjoy the tension that comes with the fact that no one can know for certain which cards they will receive. And although we all can recognize that betting money on any game is unnecessary and even sin against the Eighth Commandment, is it still appropriate for God's children to play games to entertain us because of their randomness? And the answer to that question comes down to the question of our motivation. 
our explanation of what is happening. Although we may experience randomness, a Christian will never forget that what we call chance or randomness is only chance from our limited perspective. And often when we we're speaking that way, we're speaking of probabilities. When we play games, we need to remember that there is no chance. Even though God allows us to have fun with the fact that we cannot always be certain of whether or not the next thing that comes up will be to our liking. That's a part of creation. It's something we can enjoy. But it's not something that should cause us to reject the almighty power of our God. We can also think uh, about the plight of fishermen. Although we understand that scientific conditions have something to do with our success when we go out on a boat or sit on the ice, we also know that even in favorable conditions it is possible that the fish that we see on the fish finder will not bite the bait. Or we may catch many fish waiting helplessly in a boat or waiting helplessly on top of the ice beside a hole while we wait in anticipation to see if a fish will be attracted to our lure or not. It, it gives joy to some people. That randomness is a gift of God. It's a part of God's creation. We can find joy in it. But we also have to be very careful not to become superstitious, trying to manipulate lady luck with, with sayings or special clothes or, or other rites. Once again, although it seems to many that fishing is a completely random sport, chance and luck actually don't exist. God is controlling everything. And Jesus showed that after his resurrection. Jesus' disciples passed the whole night in the boat without catching a single fish. But after Jesus told them to put their nets on the other side of the boat, they caught 153 fish that obeyed the Lord and Master of all creation. God is above everything. And everything that happens has a purpose in God's plan, including timing. We confess this truth of Scripture. Now do we apply this knowledge in our hearts, in our lives, as a continual comfort to spur us on to thankfulness? Think about how your belief, your confession of God's providence, how it does or, or does not show itself in your lives. Should Christians be looking for signs and omens in the events around them when they want to make questions about their future calling and vocation? I ask the question because a lot of people do that. Should we speak about accidents as if God couldn't, could not have controlled something? Or as if, as if God said, oops, or my bad. Why cross your fingers when you go into that exam? Why go through that ritual every time before you play a hockey game? Why do you talk about being lucky as if chance is a power that exists? 
Brothers and sisters, let us flee from all this superstition and let us realize who our God is. Let's not hinder him and make him small, diminish him, belittle him with our language. We have a sovereign God who's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. And he's omnipresent. It means he's, he's present in every place, omni being all. He is sustaining. He is governing all things. A weed cannot force its head through the cracks of the, of the tiles on your patio. A drop of water cannot fall from the clouds. A virus cannot form in your belly, and a dollar cannot fall from your purse without the will of God. The power cannot go out. The ace of spades cannot be in your hands. The fish cannot take the bait without your God's will. Your son cannot grow up. His wife cannot give birth. Your friend cannot get sick, and your beloved cannot die without God's will. Prime Minister Trudeau cannot get up in the morning. Muslims are not able to persecute Christians. The people of North Korea cannot experience freedom, and our provincial government cannot exclude us without God's will. He's in control of everything and we ask ourselves as we say this confession, as we say these words, why are we worried and anxious, beloved sheep of the Lord who is strong and mighty? We know that everything is a part of God's big picture plan. And why do you take such pride in your successes Oh, little creature, when everything happens only by God's grace, you are protected by the love of God in Christ Jesus, and no creature is able to separate you from this love. That's the promise. That's the plan. That's what we live each day remembering. And he's the creator of heaven and earth be comforted in adversity. Be thankful in prosperity. Who is the eternal king? Who is ruling over all things? Well, our king, our faithful savior, Jesus Christ. Rest in him. Give thanks to God for everything that happens in your life because nothing is controlled by a power called chance that we do not know. But everything is in the hands of our Heavenly Father. Amen. We'll sing together now Psalm 115, stanzas 5, 6, uh, 7, and 8. In this psalm, the church confesses uh, very clearly that we worship a God uh, who's very different than idols. So the first stanzas are all about uh, the idols. They have eyes, but they cannot see, and they have ears, but they can never hear. 
and that's compared to our God, and we sing of him in Psalm 115, stanzas six, seven, or five, six, seven, and eight, and we'll sing that psalm standing if you're able to stand. <laughs> 